Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. How would you like a 15% discount to my daily email, the stack of stuff, the show notes, discounts to the conference, all of that? All you need to do is text the word SHOW to 33777. You'll get the annual subscription with a 15% discount to my daily email. You'll get the stack of stuff, the links to the show notes, discounts to the conference, and so much more. All you have to do is text the word SHOW, S-H-O-W, to 33777. Text SHOW to 33777. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Greetings, conversationalists. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here across America. The phone number, 877-973-7425. So delighted to have you on the program today. If you'd like to call in, you're welcome to it. If you text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777, you can get... Links, I'll text you back pretty quickly. Links to the live stream, to the podcast, to uh, the the daily show notes, uh, my daily email, to all my social media links so you can follow me around the internet. Now, serious topic, serious times. In Joe Biden's America, you can burn down Waukesha, Wisconsin, or Minneapolis, Minnesota, and Kamala Harris is going to raise money for your bail. And many of you will not be prosecuted. In Joe Biden's America, you can desecrate and burn Catholic churches. And they're not going to make it a top priority to find you. You know, when... It's kind of like homelessness when Republicans are president. Homelessness is a big story. When Democrats are president, they're called unhoused, and it's just a lack of housing, and let's not pay attention to it. Uh, in if When Republicans are president, church burnings are front-page news stories. When Joe Biden is president, church burnings are probably not even mentioned in the paper. And the DOJ rarely prosecutes. Occasionally, we'll go after someone who firebombs a a uh, crisis pregnancy center, but more likely to go after people who firebomb an abortion clinic. It's what they take seriously. In Joe Biden's America, you can chop off Abraham Lincoln's head on a statue. You can deface George Washington and probably get away with it. But you know that dude who drove to uh, I- to Iowa and chopped off the head of the satanic statue at the state capitol, he's being charged with hate crimes. In Joe Biden's America, you can protest outside the homes of Supreme Court justices. There's actually a very clear federal law. It prohibits protesting outside the homes of uh, federal judges, including members of the Supreme Court. It's one of the few places in America, hospitals and outside the homes of judges who are dealing with issues related to those that the protesters are protesting about. You're not allowed to protest outside their homes. 
But Joe Biden and his administration have not prosecuted a single one of the people who protested, except the guy who decided to assassinate Brett Kavanaugh. They finally decided they'd prosecute that guy. But the others, they didn't. The protesters across the country who have uh, ransacked and and, uh, firebombed places, they're not really doing a whole lot. Look at what's happening in Georgia, the police training facility. The the state government has stepped up and aggressively targeted the Antifa activists who were firebombing, vandalizing, threatening, harassing others. The federal government hadn't really done a whole lot. They've done some. To their credit, the U.S. attorney in the Northern District of Georgia has done some. But it has mostly been a state-level effort when it could be a federal effort. I point all of these things out to point this out. The Federal Justice Department, which doesn't want to prosecute the rioters or the fire bombers of Catholic churches or the protesters outside Supreme Court Justices' homes, will kick in your door in the middle of the night and haul you out in handcuffs if you dared to ask Jesus to protect a child outside an abortion clinic. If you dare pray outside an abortion clinic, the Justice Department is coming for you. It is another example of the massive double standard in justice in America. And it's actually kind of shocking to see. Let me read you the story. This is from uh, Kyla Barsht at National Review. The city of Seattle has agreed to pay $10 million to settle a nearly three-year-old lawsuit by 50 protesters who claimed they were injured by police who used excessive force during the 2020 Black Lives Matters protests. City Attorney Ann Davison said the settlement was the best financial decision the city for the city considering risk, cost, and insurance. The case has been a significant tra- drain on our time and resources of the city and would have continued to be so through an estimated three-month trial that was scheduled to begin in May. Davison said that in defending the lawsuit, her office reviewed hundreds of interactions between protesters and police, including more than 10,000 videos and more than a million pages of records. The city had argued the protesters assumed the risk of being injured by police when they chose to transgress the bounds of peaceful protest. The federal judge rejected the argument, claiming that it was First Amendment. So they're going to pay the rioters, $10 million. And now there's this from the Daily Signal. A Nashville jury found six pro-life activists guilty Tuesday of violating the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances, the FACE Act, and conspiracy against rights based on charges brought by the Department of Justice. Pro-life activists Chet Gallagher, Coleman Boyd, Heather Adani, Cal Zastro, Dennis Green, and Paul Vaughn faced up to 11 years in prison due to their peaceful protest in the hallway outside a Mount Juliet abortion clinic in March of 2021. The DOJ's October 2022 release about the charges alleges that Gallagher utilized social media to promote a series of anti-abortion events scheduled 
for March 4th through 7, 2021 in the Nashville area. Other co-conspirators then utilized Facebook to coordinate travel and logistics and to identify other participants for the blockade. They are charging these people with violating the FACE Act, which was a progressive law modeled on the KKK Act to try to get rid of the KKK. What did they do? They prayed in front of an abortion clinic. They prayed in front of an abortion clinic. Paul Vaughn, uh, one of those charged, released a statement saying that the case was so nebulous that after the prosecution and defense made their closing statements, only then did they argue about what intimidation means, what they did or did not do, whether or not it was classified as intimidation. That's insane. They, they didn't have a case of intimidation. Uh, they, they charged them with intimidation, but they couldn't define what it meant. This is Paul Vaughn, one of the pro-life activists. If this conviction stands on appeal, the First Amendment will be further decimated. Activities like standing in a hallway and talking with someone you're trying to help, commonly known as sidewalk counseling, outside an abortion clinic can now get you 11 years in federal prison. The statute used to charge myself and fellow defendants with conspiracy was from an 1880 law drafted to use against the KKK. It takes the FACE Act, which is a misdemeanor with a maximum sentence of six months in federal prison, and makes it a felony with a total 11-year sentence with both counts. I was amazed to learn through the trial that there's no common understanding of what the word intimidation means. There's a different definition between the two counts we were charged with. The court was literally trying to define the terms we were charged with violating after closing arguments. It seems like a small thing to ask if you're going to arrest someone and take away 10 years of their life, you might define the terms you're charging them with before arresting them, let alone before closing arguments in the trial. Lastly, there was no evidence that properly reflected the reality of what happened that day that could be used to convict me. There were only innuendos and inferences. There were misrepresented facts like a picture of me standing against a wall and claiming I was blocking access down the hallway. There was evidence that I stood in front of a bathroom door, which the prosecution portrayed as a clinic door. But the most condemning thing I did was smile and appreciate those wonderful Christians in the hallway who love Christ and laid down their own freedoms in an effort to save unborn babies. That is my crime. I helped talk to the police to make sure it was safe and that the police understood that the others uh, were engaged. At no time did I conspire with any of the other defendants and plan and coordinate any of my actions. I simply showed up with my team of sidewalk counselors to talk with abortion-seeking moms and dads. When I saw the police did not understand the basic law of trespass as it relates to public buildings and the property owner's right to issue a trespass warning, I thought they may start arresting our counselors. At that point, I went to them immediately and explained there were some people who were not there to sit in or protest or for any other reason but to talk to people. That's my crime. For that, I face 11 years of sentencing scheduled July 2nd. Meanwhile, I remain on pretrial probation and have limited travel and must report monthly to the court. This is Joe Biden's America. You can burn down America and Kamala Harris will pay your bail. But you show up at an abortion clinic and pray, well, you get 11 years in prison.
uh, this really isn't justice. And by the way, by the way, the Biden administration should be uh, warned about what happens when you persecute Christians like this. You tend to get a lot more Christians willing to do it and willing to become martyrs. You tend to provoke the very thing you're seeking to stop. You persecute, and it is persecution, you persecute Christians for praying at an abortion clinic. You're going to get a lot more Christians willing to pray at abortion clinics and possibly go to prison for 11 years. It's funny, the left talks about overcrowding in prisons and how bad it is, and they want to let the people out who have murdered, they want to let the people out who have robbed, they want to let the people out who have stolen, they want to let the people out who have abused, but they will lock someone up for praying. This is Joe Biden's America. Do you understand why Donald Trump has such a following in this country? He's going to promise to pardon these people, undoubtedly, and we'll get a lot of traction for it and probably should. They're persecuting people for praying at an abortion clinic. They were peaceful. They did not bother people. And they could go to prison for 11 years for doing that. In America, in the United States of America, you chop off the head of a George Washington statue, you're going to get away with it. You chop off the head of Satan, a satanic statue, you're going to be charged with a hate crime. Firebomb small businesses, Kamala Harris pays your bail, firebomb a Catholic church, the Justice Department turns a blind eye, pray outside an abortion clinic, well, go to jail. When people talk about there being two standards of justice in this country, this is exactly what they're talking about. What it is is the rise of Christian persecution in America. I wrote a book. You will be made to care. It's on the wall behind me. If you see the videos, you will be made to care. And it documented the rise of persecution of Christians in America by the left. It's happening. It's happening. I wrote a book called You Will Be Made to Care. It documents what's going on and where it's headed. And it heads into uncharted territory for this country. And none of it is good. But the one thing that I know that comes of it is it will spark more people doing what the Justice Department is trying to stamp out by sending these people to prison for praying. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Why, hello there. It is Eric Erickson. You can text data, D A T A, to 33777. Should you wish to uh, subscribe to the show notes or get my new book, um, I don't know if y'all have heard this. It's actually kind of a big deal. The attorneys general of Virginia and Tennessee have filed a lawsuit against the NCAA over restrictions on the ability of current and future student-athletes to negotiate and benefit from their name, image, and likeness. They call it NIL rights, name, image, and likeness. They say it violates the Sherman Antitrust Act. Uh, The NCAA is increasingly a useless organization. 
and they're coming after Tennessee hard uh, and Tennessee striking back. So essentially what they're saying, so there's this thing called the transfer portal where a college student can put their name in the transfer portal. They, they want to go to a different school. A lot of them, uh, particularly the kids at Alabama, are leaving now that Saban's gone. And while they're in the transfer portal, uh, schools are prohibited from talking to them about their name, image, likeness opportunities to make some money. And the NCAA essentially uh, was prohibited by the Supreme Court from uh, prohibiting the kids from making money, and they're still putting a lot of strings in place. The, the whole thing, this is one of the reasons people are saying Saban decided it was time to retire. Uh, you've heard Kirby Smart at the University of Georgia and, and, and other coaches in and out of the SEC beginning to complain about the NCAA and how it's becoming this for-profit enterprise, and there's no more team loyalty, there's no more school loyalty, which is, is actually, I think, kind of a problem. Players, when you root for, say, the Braves, or you root for the Kansas City Chiefs or the 49ers, you're used to players rotating in and off. When you root for a college, you tend to be rooting for your school, your alma mater, and you pick your favorite players. And with the uh, transfer portal and the NIL stuff, you're seeing kids rotate in and out of college teams in ways they never have before and making all sorts of money. And there's nothing wrong with them making money. The schools have made so much money off the kids. I don't have a problem with the kids making money. I do think, however, that the colleges probably need to put all these kids in the Dave Ramsey program or something to, so that they can actually learn how to wisely use the money instead of blowing it off. I, I know a uh, professional athlete who said, a retired professional athlete who said, uh, it, one of the hardest things was getting out of college and suddenly you are making tens of millions of dollars and you're just spending it all. It's going out the window as fast as it's coming in. You think it's impossible to spend that much money until you're making it, and it's very possible. And, and a lot of guys get injured, they leave the league, and then suddenly they got nothing to show for it, and they're broke. And and he now specializes in helping them learn fiscal management skills, and that's so, so needed in these situations, particularly at the college level. Now, speaking of college, your kid may need a computer going to college, and Vision Computer can build them the computer and save them some money along the way. They can build exactly what you need, what you want as well, something that's upgradable. Instead of getting the generic one-size-fits-all big-box store computer, go to Vision Computers today, visioncomputers.com or 404-Compute. If you call Vision Computers at 404-Compute, tell them I sent you, you get an even better deal. But here's the thing. You've bought the computer. They've built the computer. You get the computer, and you've got questions about the computer. If you buy from Vision Computers, they give you a special phone number. You can call them anytime, 24-7, day or night. And they will answer your questions faster than a Google search. You don't know how to do something. You want to know what your computer could do. You need help with your email. You need help with your printer. It's a great solution for you, for your family, uh, for your business, because they'll do it for your business as well. Get all your computers from Vision. They'll take care of all your employees as well, so you do not have to hire the in-house IT guy. It saves you a lot of money, a lot of downtime, gives you peace of mind. It's visioncomputers.com. Or call them at 404-COMPUTE. Tell them I sent you. You save even more money. 404-COMPUTE. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, folks. It is Eric Erickson here. The squad is having a moment. Those progressives in the House of Representatives, turns out Jamal Bowman uh, from New York, he's the guy who also pulled the fire alarm and and claimed he didn't know what he was doing. He was too stupid to know what he was doing, despite being a former uh, principal. Turns out he's a 9-11 truther. That's right. So he represents part of New York and is a 9-11 truther. And this is only just coming out. Apparently, he deleted all of this stuff before he ran for office. Back when he was a high school principal or middle school principal, he was a 9-11 truther. A 9-11 truther is someone who thinks there's some sort of government and Jew conspiracy to have blown up the World Trade Center and that other buildings were blown up by the government. It was all some sort of big conspiracy. It doesn't go over well in New York City to be a 9-11 truther, considering how many people died on 9-11. And yet he is one. Uh, Meanwhile, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is demanding that the federal government fund UNRWA, the UN refugee uh, group that oversees the Palestinian territory, despite a Wall Street Journal report that 1,200 employees of UNRWA are Hamas and Islamic Jihad operatives. In fact, Israel has released video of some UNRWA employees helping Hamas on October 7th, uh, the day they attacked Israel. So the U.S. and other governments have pulled funding from UNRWA, and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez demands they restore the funding. This is the same woman who wants to defund American police. And then there's Cori Bush, now under investigation by the Justice Department. So Cori Bush is another one who wants to defund the police and yet spent massive sums of taxpayer money on security. And it turns out she was giving it to her husband who wasn't even certified to do security in Missouri, where she's from, well, you will not be surprised to learn Cori Bush pulled a play out of the standard progressive playbook. It's all about racism. In recent months, right-wing organizations have lodged baseless complaints against me, peddling notions that I have misused campaign funds to pay for personal security services. That simply is not true. I have complied with all applicable law, applicable laws and house rules and will continue to prioritize the rules that govern us as federal elected officials. In particular, the nature of these allegations have been around my husband's role on the campaign. In accordance with all applicable uh, rules, I retained my husband as part of my security team to provide security services because he has had extensive experience in this area and is able to provide the necessary services at or or below fair market rate. Right. He is not, uh, from what I saw online, certified to do so. Um, my goodness. My goodness. It's all racism, don't you know? Uh, meanwhile, have you all heard this from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? This is next level. Listen to this. And so when we come here, we talk about schools But if you close your eyes and put yourself in a classroom of someone else's district, you'll see that the challenges are different here. So this is not about 
what we're teaching about European versus non-European descent, this is about the fact that the Bronx has one of the ch highest childhood asthma rates in the country. And climate curriculum, and when we talk about the importance of having clean air and clean water, it has a direct outcome on people's scholastic performance. Climate curriculum. Climate curriculum that we, we can't solve problems about kids until we engage in climate curriculum that deals with asthma. It's climate curriculum, y'all, brought to you by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. The federal government now needs to fund a climate curriculum. And now, Deep Thoughts by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I'm sorry to break it to you. If we do nothing, there is no hope, period. That's just the principle across the board. If we do not act, there is no hope. The only time we can hope is when we act. That was Deep Thoughts by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Now we can add that we need a climate curriculum, the, the deep thoughts of AOC. While that's going on, get this. This is from the Daily Caller, Nick Pope. The Biden administration is classifying some of the country's most elite and exclusive locales as low-income areas, making them eligible for electric vehicle charger subsidy programs. The administration's EV charger tax credit program made possible by the Inflation Reduction Act, President Biden's signature climate bill, is specifically designed to route subsidies to low-income or non-urban areas of the country. The low-income emphasis for eligibility aligns in spirit with the Biden administration's wider pursuit of the so-called environmental justice, which is effectively the combination of social justice ideology and green policy. Numerous elite hangouts and locales included Montauk and Fishers Island in New York and parts of Martha's Vineyard and Nantucket in Massachusetts are among the areas the administration has classified as low income and eligible for receipt of EV charger subsidies. Building out a nationwide charging network is a key supporting plank of the Biden administration's EV agenda. But the charging infrastructure that currently exists is concentrated in wealthier, densely populated coastal regions of the country. The Biden administration's tax credit program is designed to blunt the costs of charger construction, specifically in non-urban, less wealthy parts of the countries that would be less likely to install them. So to meet the low-income definition, a given census tract has to have a poverty rate of 20% or more. An area can qualify if the median family income is below 80% of the median family income in the wider metropolitan area or in its state if a given census tract is not part of a particular metropolitan area. In practice, however, the latter definition for a low-income area enables places that may not be considered low-income to qualify for the credit by virtue of being located in a wealthy state or metropolitan area. So, for example... Nearly half of all the landmass of Nantucket Island, one of the ritziest summer vacation destinations favored by New England's elite, is eligible for EV charger subsidies. 
the Vineyard Haven area of Martha's, Martha's Vineyard, another destination frequented by the Upper Crust, is also eligible as a low-income area. Because, well, I mean, Barack Obama owns an $11.7 million estate on the island, so why not? Uh, many of the homes in the area covered are well over a million dollars. Several properties are valued between two and five million dollars. But because that's still the poor end of the island, it qualifies as low income compared to the 10, 15, and 20 million dollar mansions on the other side of the island. It's all a scam. Also, Cape Cod, Hyannis. The area where the Kennedys used to vacation in Great Island with multi multi million dollar homes, that's going to be able to get it. Um, uh, Fishers Island, New York, is deemed a low income area. The island's an exclusive enclave for families to gather to sail and golf. The Rockefellers, the Roosevelts, and the Duponts hang out at Fisher Island. It's all a grift, isn't it? I guess the the honest people. You take advantage. This this reminds me. Where is this? I I I've been meaning to read all this. So a buddy of mine, and I'm going to leave his name out of it. He's going to listen to the show, and 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 I want you all to to hear this with me. And I'm just I'm going to read this because he has a way with words that I wish I had. This is email. I committed fraud this weekend. My glasses, the glasses I used to have, were a great joy to me. They were refurbished late 1940s frames, about 70 years old, younger than either possible president of the United States in 2025, but still venerable and appropriately stylish. I like old things, analog things, backlight phones, old vinyls of Brazilian samba and cheap Casios, and these frames fit right in with that aesthetic preference. But all things must end, and my glasses ended on Friday evening when, as I wiped the lenses... They snapped into in my hands. There was no special pressure on them. The fault line in the center had formed long before, perhaps before I was bored, and so they came to the natural end of their span. This was a problem. I can't see without glasses. My partially blind son with full correction has better vision than I do without correction, and nothing was possible without them. Furthermore, these frames were my sole progressive lens frames. I had a single vision lens frame somewhere in the house, but who could say where? I briefly attempted to tape the frames together, no luck, and a fleeting solution in any case. Having some idea that my alternate pair, really my old glasses, acquired about six or seven years back, were in a black bag in my detached office. I ventured out into the dark to find them. Here I could see nothing. It was nearly midnight. I climbed the outside stairs to the garage office in near blackness and fumbled for a bit with the office door lock until muscle memory kicked in. Entering, I spent a moment finding the light switch and then proceeded to crawl around on my hands and knees looking and feeling for the black bag in which I had last seen that old pair. Mercifully, I found it and mercifully the glasses were in and I put them on. To my dismay, I realized that nearly three years with progressive lenses had seen great and hitherto unnoticed change. I could see reasonably well nearly anything beyond 10 feet distance and nothing closer than that. I could drive but not read. It occurred to me that it should order some superglue for early morning delivery, which I did on my phone with great effort, so great that my eyes hurt with the directed strain. Defeated but with a vague semblance of a plan, I went to bed. The next morning, the superglue was present at the doorstep. The Houthis haven't beaten that element of American logistics, and I tried it out. No luck. Whatever bonding mechanism might have worked wasn't, and it was clear that I needed new glasses swiftly. 
I thought about everything I needed to do the weekend, coach my son's soccer game at 5, teach Sunday school at 11 the next day, generally prepare for the work week. All this required decent vision, and I didn't have it. Glasses places started opening around 10 and 11, and I started calling them. How soon could you make me progressive lenses? Quickly, sir, as quickly as three to five days. That wasn't going to work. Finally, mercifully, I found a place that would get them done in mere hours. Time was of the essence, and these guys uh, get my lenses to them. I could see in time to coach soccer. I've done this before, or so I thought. Take them your lenses. They just recreate them. Nope, turns out they need a prescription. They'll only make lenses if I bring them a prescription. Where to get a prescription on a Saturday and in time to get glasses before 5. I started digging through digital files. I developed a habit of cataloging every bit of incidental documentation just in case. November 2021, there's a prescription. Was it the right prescription? Turns out it was. I took it back to the Quick Lens place. I have the prescription. No, sir, this is from 2021. It expired in 22. We can't make your lenses with this one. So I called the Vision Clinic office, whose doors I have not darkened since 2021, and pined over the emergency line. A physician answered, and I explained to him what I needed. He said, send me the PDF. That's fine. I said, can you change the expiration date to sometime in 2024? No, I can't. I'll have to call medical records, and they won't open till Monday. So I said, send me the PDF. And I called my wife and says, don't you have Adobe Acrobat? You can change the document. Fifteen minutes later, I walked back to the eyeglass place. The doctor had extended the prescription. They said it was fine. At 2 p.m., I walked out with new glasses. I want to explain why I share this. It's because there's joy in outwitting a system that's fundamentally witless. Does it make sense to prohibit the manufacture of corrective lenses except at the explicit and time-limited direction of a physician? Not really. If we unpeeled the layers of relevant policymaking, there's probably an industry group somewhere that persuaded regulators or legislators it's a good idea. Update your eyeglass description annually. And why? Well, those minor medical bills aren't going to generate themselves. I share it because this is an example of a slowly metastasizing feature of American life. Friction. A man who needs glasses and knows what kind of glasses he needs should be able to get them easily. Instead, I had to enlist a third party and commit minor fraud to get that done. It's not characteristic of American life, or at least it was not. It is, however, very characteristic of places like Mexico and much of Europe, with petty and obstructive requirements for straightforward needs that somehow the individual citizen is deemed unqualified to discern or adjudicate. Friction is built into a lot of systems now, and mostly it's built in for someone's enrichment. My glasses are one example. There's another, my wristwatch. I have a cheap Timex. Its battery ran out, so instead of doing what I normally do, I ordered a tiny watchmaker's kit and replaced the battery, but it didn't work. Turns out you have to take it to a watchmaker, and even then they don't want you to, but I did, and they fixed it. How? Because the manufacturer built in an incentive to buy a new watch, but the watchmaker knew that if you push a button and, and turn the dial so far, it would get it working again. It was friction. Brings me back to the old days of COVID. Anytime I went to Mexico for work, I had to go through the tedious process of getting a COVID test before being allowed to board the aircraft back to the United States. The last time I did it, I had our hotel concierge arrange it, and I joked with him that it sure would be a pity to get a positive test and have to spend a few more days in Mexico. He looked at me seriously and said, Senor, we would never let a guest have a positive test. Friction and its workarounds, foremost among them, fraud. I used to think it was a feature of the rest of the world, but more and more, bit by bit, it is here now. When it grips every facet of American life, as it already does in places like Chicago, then survival will mean the erosion at the individual level of fundamental behaviors that guarantee our way of life 
first among them respect for the rule of law and faith in the purpose of institutions. Yes, like a federal government that can classify Martha's Vineyard as poor in order for the wealthy to get subsidized EV chargers. Consider the banking system in America. Credit downgraded, the government propping them up, giving them bailouts and sweetheart deals. No wonder my friends at Swiss America are talking about the secret war on cash, the assault on your freedoms to curb your spending power, to curb your ability to spend cash in this country. Swiss America wants to educate you on how to protect your hard-earned assets now. Get their report, The Secret War on Cash. Your copy's free by calling or texting my name, Eric Erickson, to 800-289-2646. The all-out war on cash includes digital forms of currency and is spreading daily. The Secret War on Cash, you can get it for free. You just mention my name, Eric Erickson. You call or text 800-289-2646. Call or text my name, Eric Erickson, to 800-289-2646. Or you can go to SwissAmerica.com slash Eric. That's SwissAmerica.com slash E-R-I-C-K or 800-289-2646. Message and data rates may apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson. So I got to confess, I don't get dudes who like shoes. I just, I look, I got friends of mine. I have a particular friend and I know you're listening right now. And he has an entire closet dedicated to his Air Jordan collection. Like he's got all the vintage. I, and I, I don't get And he doesn't wear them. I mean, well, occasionally wear. I don't get it. I've got two pairs of shoes. I got my running shoes that I wear almost every day. And I do have my dress shoes for when I, I go. And I got black ones and I got brown ones. I rarely wear the black ones. They hurt my feet more than the brown ones. I got like three pairs of shoes. That is it. And I, I mean, I've got a guy like my, my wife, like could like take an entire suitcase of, of shoes, different shoes for every other. I don't get the guys who had that much. Uh, the Los Angeles police criminal uh, commercial crimes division arrested a suspect involved in organized retail crime on January 27, 2024 detectives from the commercial crimes divisions, cargo theft unit, major theft task force and organized retail crime task force. Good gracious. That's a lot of titles executed separate search warrants in Hollywood, California, the city of Hawthorne. The Hawthorne location was identified as a warehouse where the suspect was seen delivering stolen Nike products. The investigation led to the arrest of 37-year-old Roy Lee Harvey Jr., for he received, redistributed, and resold high-dollar amounts of stolen property. It, he had a massive collection organized of Nike products, mostly variations of Air Jordans. I Selling them to, I just don't understand. And it is like my guy, for, I've got some who are into watches and some who are into, into shoes. And it's always Nike. It's always Nike. I, I just, I don't get it. I got like two, three pairs of shoes, a pair of flip-flops and some boots. And I'm perfectly contented with that. And even that's too much. I, I don't get it. But my gosh, I have friends who are really into shoes. And this guy's taking advantage of them.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.